to episode 60 of the Horror Dads podcast. I'm your host, John, joined by Jamie. And today we are here to talk about werewolf horror. More importantly, John, episode 60. I know, Crack a beer to that. Woo! Seriously. Cheers. Man. man. That's super exciting. And I uh, I think this is a good topic because... So it's Sunday that we're recording this. And in a few days, I think Friday this coming week... Or no, it's Saturday we're recording this. Yeah. It'll release Monday and Friday will be a full moon. So oh, perfect. Yeah, it's in it's in good good sequence. Yeah. Um I always get right around this time, it was really nice weather the past like three days. Yeah. And we're currently in the middle of a snowstorm, but the past three days have been like really like almost spring weather. Um I was like riding my bike a few days ago. Dude, I've been confused on what to watch. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like Right. I start my day with Friday the 13th and I end with a thing and I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I always love watching werewolf movies right at that like spring, early summer time. Yeah. So I felt like we were there. So we picked the topic. Yeah, I'm glad we did. This was a lot and of fun. And here we are now. So we're, if, if you're new to the show, this is a, we're going to do a top 10 <laughs> of our favorite werewolf horror films. So we're going to bounce back and forth and we're going to descend from Five, you know, each each of us did five. So we'll we'll do that. But before we do that, we typically always like to do some intro stuff, catch up. So if you're new to the show, we're just going to uh, catch up and be best friends for a minute. And then we'll talk about our topic. Yeah, we're just hanging out at the table, drinking some beers, watching. What are we watching, John? We have American Werewolf in London on. We do. Because we can't talk about this topic without this, this film being near us. So Yeah, uh, there's a few... Really obvious picks, as there should be in anybody's top five. So, yeah, we'll see where they uh, fall out. Yeah, we'll see if we uh, claw our way into some mm-hmm. new ones. Mm-hmm. Maybe transform our minds. <laughs> Howl on to a new. All right, sorry. I have. I like where You were going there. <laughs> God damn it! All right. So our things that we like to talk about, we like to cover what we've been watching, what we're wearing, what we've been buying, what our family's doing. So let's start Ooh. with watching. What have you been watching, man? All right. So I finally watched that movie Fresh. I think I made a post about it on Instagram. Uh, dude, so fun. So unexpected. Uh, one of those kind of gems. It's on Hulu. One yeah. of those things you put on. Um, you're never sure what to expect when you put on a new movie that you've never heard of. Um, been a ton of buzz about this one, though. Yeah. And then, rightfully so. Um Our buddy Dave Weir, who's a patron on our uh, Discord channel, mentioned he was watching it. He said, uh, you know, I recommend if you watch it, go into it blind, which I did. And I was super surprised, loved it. Um, It's a wild ride that I recommend everybody uh, go watch. But I listened to an interview with Mimi Cave, who uh, this was her first feature, and she just absolutely killed it. Oh, so she was the director? Yeah, she was a director. Yeah. she was on Mick Garris's episode, like the most recent episode of his podcast. Oh, cool. And um, in the interview, she was saying how, you know, she's a big fan of music. Uh, and the music is very prevalent in this one. It's uh, very like 80s and uh, late 70s pop songs. And you have these like, you know, bright, cheery pop songs that kind of uh, clash with the scenes that you're looking at, you know. So it's, and she said that that's something she wanted was like, you know, that juxtaposition between beautiful pop song and disturbing images 
Um, and I think it worked really well. And she said that like for every character, she wrote out like a list of songs, like a certain playlist for each character, which oh, kind of helped. Super yeah. cool. So I was oh. really into it, really into Mimi. Um, and for her first feature, like this was amazing. All I know about this movie is the promo image is basically like a when you go buy like a pork chop from the from the butcher, <laughs> it comes in that saran wrap uh, styrofoam takeout thing. Basically, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just yeah. a hand. <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect. There, yeah. So again, it's this like natural, comfortable thing. Everyone's interacted with, uh, you know, offset by this very jarring image. Yeah, for sure. And uh, but yeah, cool. everybody should go watch that. It's called Fresh, and it's on Hulu. And then uh, I also watched. I don't know who told us to watch this one. Somebody on Instagram recommended we watch it, and I did. And holy shit! Oh, I think called, you, Chris Zank. I think was I the think one. maybe, yeah. and yeah. it's called Hellbender. Yeah. It was Chris. And God damn it, Chris, this was, so I watched it. I was watching it. My wife came in and was like, no, mm-mm, no way. And I was like that. Well, I saw you put a, put a, what was it? Like one and a half, two and a half stars on the, our letterbox account. For oh the yeah, film. yeah. Yeah. So I saw that you'd watched it, but we haven't talked about it yet. No. So, um, it was a wild next, ride. So the next day I told my wife, I finished it and she was like, you cannot tell me that you like that movie. And I was like, well, I ca- Honestly, I kind of did. <laughs> uh, it's fucking, it's very low budget. It's, uh, you know, very uneven acting performances. Some of the acting, like the main character is great. Uh, yeah. The mom is great. But then the ancillary characters get kind of like, this is where like the director's niece is probably cast, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, dude, fucking wild. I would recommend everybody watch Hellbender, uh, especially if you're into the lower budget. You know, if you just like conjuring universe and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. (laughs) Pretty crazy. (laughs) Have you been, so we're four or five days away from St. Patrick's Day. Have you watched any of the leprechauns? Uh, Yeah. So we, I've made it to three and uh, I haven't finished three yet. Yeah. I was like so pumped up to like, I'm going to just fucking rally through these. You get a, you get a little bogged down with some of the. Uh, it's, honestly, it's equivalent to like I'm going to run 15 miles today, and on third mile you're like, it'll mm, do four. Yeah, this running thing. So Adrian, um, thank you for these box sets, man. Uh, but we're, we and we will get through them. Oh my god, dude! I love I love having it so much. Oh, dude, I I keep smiling at it. Yeah, I keep looking at it. I just love having it, and um, I can't wait. Honestly, I'm just going to push through all these here. Yeah, me too. Um, in the next coming days, but. Um, I've just been kind of getting like, oh, a bird, squirrel. I oddly enough landed on the third one as well. Okay, cool. So that's so as we far have, as I am. And yeah. how many are there? Six? In that pack, I think there are six or six or eight, maybe. Eight. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, it might be <laughs> I six. think Origins is one of the, is Origins in that mix? I don't believe so, no. It might be. Actually, I think I got, it is. I have it sitting right here. Pull that, pull that bad boy out. Let's, let's take a look. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. And Origins does not have Warwick Davis. Yeah, it's uh, Leprechaun 1, 2, 3, 4, which is in space. 5, Evil's in the house, in the hood. <laughs> Tales from the hood? Leprechaun in the hood. Oh, Leprechaun in Evil's the hood. Evil's in the house is, is what it's called. Ice T's in that one. Uh, and then Leprechaun <clears throat> back to the hood, not T-H-E, but T-H-T-H-A. Yeah. As it should be. And then Leprechaun Origins, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, we got seven. You yeah. know that, like, Leprechaun in the Hood, they were like, oh, dude, have you guys seen those house party movies? They are wildly successful. <laughs> well, we talked about Let's that movie on our... Leprechaun in that. Our, our franchise Black Sheep episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember being like, of these movies that we're going to talk about today, this is my favorite one. <laughs> so... Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, I'm glad we've been spending some time with those, because we have the the holiday quickly... Man, descending upon us quickly. I've actually been panicking. Like, I, I need to have I done enough binge watch? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I watched that, or I've been watching those, and then I also checked out House on the Bayou, which I think we talked about maybe a couple episodes ago. But that one was fun, man. It's it's not great, it's it's pretty good. I can't remember what it was streaming on, but it's got a little bit of a, a twisty sort of thing to it. The dude from Parks and Recreation is in it. And it's it's good. You're you're rooting for character. I don't want to give give too much away, but the characters really make you feel. And I, you know, we talk about it all the time how stories are one thing, but character development and uh, familiarity and and just some sort of you know understanding with characters is such a critical point of of any story. So I think of anything, this this movie does that successfully. If some of the rest of it falls short a little bit, so I think it's, it's worth checking out. Yeah, the uh, the characters were good. The acting was solid, um, yeah. and it's got the you know really fun mystery. I always like watching a mystery and um, kind of unravel and seeing yeah, where it goes. Yeah, it's kind of like a it's a little bit of a whodunit, but it's more of like a why done it kind of like what's the motivation yeah. here? Let's unpack this sort of sort what's of thing. Happening? So, yeah, yeah, it it is. It's riddled with a couple layers of mystery. It's, it's got a is it a home invasion? Is it yeah? It's got a cool resolve too at the end. So. But uh, what do you what do you what are you wearing over there, man? I know we talked about what we're watching. So what are you wearing? Yeah, so I have on my um, careful gaze T-shirt again. I think I just wore it last time, uh, but it was too relevant to the situation not to wear. It's just it's a pair of werewolf eyes, yeah. essentially. Uh, I don't think they're supposed to be werewolf in this instance. They are werewolf. Um, my howling shirt was dirty. I forgot to get it clean in time, so brought it to the dry cleaner and said, "Look, yeah. I need this press. Get it." There's a full moon coming this 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 coming Friday. This has to be no you know no wrinkles in this. Yeah, I also have the um, cavity colors uh, werewolf T-shirt that we got with the spook bag. Also, this, also in the dirty clothes. This so. most this past year, right? Yeah, the we got it with the most recent one. Yeah, it looks it's like a, a fake like novel a, cover. Yeah, that's what he's been doing the past few years, yeah. and this one is amazing because it's like they're almost like Goosebumps covers. Yeah. Yeah, and this one is like a like. street of like people trick or treating, but like a werewolf like yeah. invading the yeah. street. Cool. Yeah. So Careful Gaze is a band. Uh, for those that don't know, we're we're good buddies with with the singer from that band, Gabe Reasoner. He he was on the show a couple dozen episodes ago, it yep. feels like probably, but if you haven't checked them out, they're a fantastic band. They've got great merch. Oh, they're doing a new album, and we just love those guys. So I am wearing I've been talking about this, creating some hype, and it's finally in hand and on body. So Labmouth Threads is this super awesome apparel company. I think it's just one dude uh, who's like a tattoo artist in the New Jersey, New York area. But he did this pre-release for these New Jersey fluke men. It's like a, it's almost like a softball style like T-shirt, but it's a, it's a hoodie. It's got like a, a number on the back. Yeah, it's glow in the dark. It has the number 94 on the back, which I think is the year that the 
the episode came out. So nice. I, I'm so glad to have it. And today I need it because it's snowing and that's what happens in Ohio. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You've been. We'll have to get you in uh, my office, stand under the black light. <laughs> oh, dude, I should just like go charge up under a really bright yeah. like, LED and then jump in your office. Yeah, exactly. So you've been buying anything lately? I actually, I don't know that I bought anything this round. Um, I know that we got a couple things from Horrified Design sent us some killer stuff. Yeah. So, Chris, thank you, man. We we appreciate it. So, check out Horrified Designs. He's got uh, a lot of great stuff. He's, he's up and coming. So, uh, ch- check him out. He's got some really good stuff. So, I have been buying a couple things. I got Ooh. from our buddy... Gary Pullen, I ordered that really awesome Prowler print from one of our favorite slashers that that he has on his web store. And he sent this really, really cool, uh, it feels like silk, honest to God. When you you hear the term like silk screen, it's like, I want to wear this poster and wrap it around my body. Okay. It's like wearing a mink in the nude, right? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I'm in regardless on this. Well, it's one of those things where I just t- it totally caught me off guard because I've not had this experience, like taking a poster out of a package and <laughs> just like, like rubbing your cheek on it. I, I <laughs> felt like a cat, you know, like when a cat's like rubbing their tooth on a drumstick or something. Yeah. That's, what, oh, that's God, how I, I felt. That. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 super. It looks amazing and it feels amazing. But he, he sent a couple extras. He sent a Troll Hunter print, which is super cool. And Whoa. he also sent a Friday 13th. I think it's from part three. And it's this, this uh, pers- it's like a perspective piece almost. And it's like you're sitting in the crowd at a movie theater and looking up at the movie screen. And on the movie screen is Jason Voorhees, which is uh, him from part three, I think. Oh, that's super rad. Oh, dude. I. I looked at this and I was like, this one's not as soft as the other print, but I really will wrap this around my body <laughs> yeah. and just have it tattooed on me. I'd and love to have a poster like that of Stab. Ooh. Like sitting in dude, the... That, that would be, be amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. He sent that, which is super cool. And, you know, a couple little extras, which is just super nice of Gary. So thank you, Gary. Love what you sent. Also... Love cute. you, Gary. <laughs> love you, Gary. Just uh, <laughs> slip, slip in that. <laughs> also... Speaking of another Chris, Chris Garofalo, QFS Chris, Chris, who we also love, he, you know, I ordered a Scream print from him, and that was a pre-order. It just came this week, too, and he sent some extras, uh, those Thrill Me uh, koozies. Oh, my God. I was drinking a Bud Light Lime out of one today. Dude, uh, and Chris is just as good as they come, so thank you so much, Chris. We appreciate you, man. We should have had Miller High Life in there now that I think about it. I know. What were we doing? We really missed the mark. Drinking fucking Bud Light Lime on a during a blizzard. <laughs> what are we? What the fuck? We appreciate uh, all of the the merch haul we received this week. So thank you, thank you all for for hooking us up. We appreciate that. Mm, love getting the new goods. So family stuff, man. What's what's been going on with the family before we get to our episode? Let's touch that. Yeah. So um, not too much. Last night we had the boys had like the neighbor kids slept over and we all watched uh, Turning Red. Which is appropriate because it's essentially a werewolf movie. I so I watched this last night as well because yeah. I think last night was the night it aired. It came out, yeah, yeah. It came out on Disney on Plus or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I watched that with my girls. What do you think? The new Pixar film. I thought it was good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Like I said, it it really gave you like Teen Wolf vibes. It it completely is. <laughs> yeah. and, and like the whole idea behind these kinds of movies are transformation and sure and growing up and Coming all the shit you deal with yeah. exactly. 
and this this movie captures that really well so it was good to see it was good it was actually a little more grown up than i was expecting the themes yeah because they're dealing the with you know, they're talking yeah. about like oh is the what, what's she called the red the red is the red tide here or something she yeah, says something and, like that yeah and i was like oh my god please i hope they don't start asking I know, and then they started throwing like pads around yeah, i was like yeah. oh what like my kids were like what are those i was like oh. yeah yeah, solid solid installment to the the legacy that God, is Disney. Goddamn Pixar. Disney! Yeah, they're, either they're a good. parent's dying at the beginning or someone's getting their period. Like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> so for for me on my end, I did pick up a couple puzzles from uh, a local toy store <clears throat> called Time Capsule Toys. Oh yeah, and they had these Goosebumps puzzles, which were amazing, totally amazing. So the kids love those, um, and we were. We've been working on those. I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. I, I, I don't know if you did. Did you? I, if I didn't, did I should even, have. Did we talk about the concert? I feel like we didn't. So we went and saw Ari, <laughs> Ari Lehman, the original Jason Voorhees, play with his band, First Jason. Yes, which we did not know existed. No, I had no didn't. idea. And it was an amazing experience, and he was a kindest oh, he was soul amazing. alive. Yeah. He did a little signing beforehand, and he, this was at um, our local bowling alley. Yeah. Like a mile up the street. Which is like this bowling alley and bar that we hang out at all the time. And they were, it was, it was awesome. We love them. We love that bar. And Ari was amazing. Yeah. The band was, not just Ari, the whole band was amazing. That was really, it was one of those things where you go like, all right, I'll go to this. It's going to be, you know, and something. So <laughs> there was Ari's table, which he was doing the signing at. And then next to him, there was this local toy shop that yes. we also didn't know existed. Correct. So we spend the time talking with these these folks that own this place and they're amazing oh they were so great husband and wife so here's the where husband the story has horror tattoos everywhere i know yeah here's where the story gets shitty is by these puzzles talking to these people that are amazing and then this week their shop on the north side of youngstown got broken into and they got robbed which is fucking horrible so we have a lot of youngstown listeners so the best thing we can do is keep an eye out uh, you know, if you see anything on the circuit floating around that, you know, might might be stolen goods, it'd be cool to let them know. Otherwise, once they reopen, let's all get over there, get in there and make sure we support and buy some stuff. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of uh, horror toys and a lot of like WWE wrestling. Yeah, I mean, that's even big in the toy these, world. these goosebump puzzles, I did them with yeah. my kids. It was yeah. so much fun. So. That's that's my little family antic and my little plug to the local community For sure. here. So, but even when we were there on his table, he had like the twelve oh, inch like Chucky dolls. I know. And, yeah, it's great. So, a couple quick plugs. We have a new patron, Zach Captain Howdy. Woo! So, Zach, welcome, welcome, to, Zach, welcome to the tribe, man. Thank you so much for signing up. We appreciate you joining, and uh, we can't wait to interact with you more and more. We know you just bought a shirt as well, so. Zach, we appreciate you, man, and and your your dialogue and your contributions to our content are always so so awesome to see in here. So thank you so much for for joining us, man. Yeah, and uh, we we have a Discord channel for patrons, and so Zach, let us know if you want an invite. Yeah, we'll we'll get that sent over to you, man. Um, so speaking of so speaking of Patreon, we have a five dollar tier and a ten dollar tier. So if you are interested in joining our Patreon, you can certainly do so. So take a Come look on in patreon.com slash horror dads. We do a bunch of bonus content a couple times, a couple times a month. So it's definitely worth it. What's our bonus going to be this month? Are we going to do the, are we going to do the, dare we do the leprechaun ranked? I feel like we dare. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably what I we're going to do. I dare you to watch all seven of those. 
Well, I'm working my way through. I'm almost Eight. halfway there. So we, we do fun stuff like that. We'll do ranks and sometimes our wives will join us for horror moms episodes. They joined us last month for one, which is a lot of fun. And we do some bonus content too on uh, readings of short stories, whether they're uh, published from, from friends that we know or, you know, I read Neil Gaiman and Stephen King stories too. So yeah. definitely worth checking out. Nice. We also have a web store that you can check out, horrordads.com. We have some merch on there. We're in the process of getting maybe some summer tank tops mm. in the mix. <laughs> so if you want to get horror dad at the Sun's pool. Out, guns out. Oh, God. God damn. Yeah. Should have sat on that one. The devil took me over. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the full moon, mm-hmm. you know, makes you say things you didn't mean to. Full moons are rising. But yeah, so we do have a shop, horrordads.com. So please, if you're into the show and want some apparel, uh, jump over there and check things out. Yeah. And I, I think we would be remiss not to mention all of the great musical stuff going on in our realm right now. We mentioned our buddies Careful Gaze. So they've got a full-length album that they're in the process of, of wrapping up recording for. So that's super exciting. Mm, I cannot wait. My music project called Nightmare, we're wrapping up a full length currently, so in the next few weeks there will be some communication on the release on that. Ooh. Bringing Jamie here out of retirement, he's going to guest on a, on, a, on a track on that, so that's going to be super fun. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and then another buddy that we've made through, <laughs> I know we talk about him all the time, so Alone in the Dark, our favorite podcast, which by the way... Today, I believe, is their eighth anniversary. Oh, yeah. Eight years. God damn. Which is fun and funny and crazy because they're they're probably like five, six years older than us. And, you know, we've been around a couple of years. They've been around eight years. So they've been around probably the length of, you know, age that they are beyond us. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Which is which is cool. But we met uh, a dude, Johnny Seymour, through them. And he's got uh, a band, I think, called... Uh, destructive fucks that's this like punk rock uh style band and been talking to johnny a lot and the band's super cool so so check that out they're on spotify and they've got a lot of um new stuff that they're working on too which is super nice awesome all right one last thing before we get started here a quick word from a little movie you might have heard of but buy or rent the all-new scream movie tonight on digital starring nev campbell david arquette and courtney cox The new hit movie is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and critics are calling it 100% terrifying. Buy on digital today and get killer bonus content, including deleted scenes, cast interviews, and much more. Available at participating retailers, rated R from Paramount Pictures. You want to get into it, man? Let's get into it. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) howl. I'm not going to do it. Let's go. No, come on. Just one howl. Nope. All right. Okay, Jamie. See how I do a little bit of a howl? <laughs> yeah, nice. Very subtle. I just kind of slipped in it. Yeah. Let's volley back and forth. Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? How do you want to do this? All right. So, yeah, I think I went first last time. So, why don't you go first this time? So, we're going to talk about the uh, the movies based on the fucking legend of the werewolf. How? So, before we talk about the actual movies, yep. in terms of monster <clears throat> lore, where does the werewolf rank for you? All right, so it's probably, I don't know. I've never really, like, done a definitive ranking of the monsters, but like, I love the Do you I like vampires werewolves. or werewolves more? Werewolves. Do you like zombies or werewolves more? Mm. 
I don't know. That's a good, that's a good, see, that's where I get lost. I get hung up. Mummies or werewolves? I'm going to go werewolves over mummies. Frankenstein's monster or werewolf? I don't know. It's like a three-way tie. And the invisible man, nah. What about now? What werewolves? about? But what about uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon? Mm. Tough, dude. I, tough. I love him as well. Yeah. But I feel like the werewolf lore and the representation of the lycanthrope is more prevalent. <sighs> I know. feel like I'm more drawn into that. You know, like dark of the night, surrounded by woods, bright moon yeah. cutting through the canopy. Because it's like werewolf. Oh! I mean, there it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Werewolves are basically like, uh, so vampires are the people that were on the top deck of the Titanic, right? Sipping wine. Vampires? Hang it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know what I mean, and then werewolves were the ones wearing other people's skin uh, on the bottom, the bottom, <laughs> bottom of the Titanic, just like <laughs> doing shots and dancing and hanging out. So yeah. I, I think if you and I were on the Titanic, we would be werewolves. Be, dude, we would be on that bottom floor, yeah. 100%. We go back to my budget cabin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you get the uh, the Titanic economy ticket? <laughs> Comes with a full moon pass? Yeah. Okay, so that being said, we both enjoy werewolves. We like werewolves. So let's talk we about do, some movies. Yeah. So we're going to hit, I think, a lot of decades here. Yeah, so let me ask you this. Do you have any um, moments that aren't going to make this? Like, let's just get it out of the way now. Um, looks like I have, there's, there's like, uh, some moments from shows. What was that show we were talking about earlier? Hemlock Grove. Hemlock Grove, which yeah. is kind of a, like a meh show. But in the first season, yeah. there was this werewolf transformation that was just fucking great. I know that you, me and your sister all kind of sat there and we're like, okay, that was good. Yeah. I think it was, this was a little tough because there were moments from, either anthologized Mm -hmm. experiences or where werewolves were part of a larger collective. Like I really wanted to go with what we do in the shadows. Oh yeah. Because the werewolves, werewolves thing is so funny. Yep. And I I love those characters so much, but like fright night, you evil Ed, like exactly. But in both those circumstances, I was like, no, these are, those are vampire. Those are vampire movies. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Films. Do you have a couple you want to mention? I did. Yeah. All right. Let's Uh, let's wolf of wolf of snow hollow. Yep. That's not on your list, right? No. It's okay. Not. That. What did you think? You just watched that recently. I did. I thought it was actually really it's like quirky and like witty fun. and yeah. snappy and fun and funny. Yeah. But there was just something that was missing a little bit for me on it. I don't. I, and I can't identify what that was. Totally agree. I gotta watch it again. But it it wasn't for me. It just wasn't wasn't a top contender. Worth talking about, but not not. A you really top. like. Just don't love. Yeah. Not yet, anyways. Yeah. Um, and then, was there anything else? I don't know. Yeah, no, let's get into it. I rented a couple. I, I want to oh, talk. did you? I want to talk about a couple at the okay, end. Okay, cool. So, yeah. we'll, we'll circle back. All right. So I feel like we always forget. That's why I was trying to. Yeah, yeah. We'll circle back when we don't circle We'll get back. to it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me, let me hit my number five. Go for it. You ready? I'm ready, man. All right. So, my number five is a 2005 not classic film. <laughs> By Wes Craven, <laughs> written by Kevin Williamson, by the title Cursed. Help me! Are you okay? Do you hear that? What's going on up there? Ever 
since the other night, things are happening. Things I can't explain. So this is starring Christina Ricci, Jesse Eisenberg, Joshua Jackson, uh, Portia de Rossi. So this was this was this was tough for me to to land on selecting, but I I have some reasons why I picked it because ostensibly this movie is not that great. Yeah, no, it's it's really not. And you look at the the cast and you look at the team behind it, and you're like, oh, without seeing this on paper, like this is the New York Yankees, right? Like this team should win the world series. There's no fucking discussion yeah, about I mean, it. Right? Kevin Williamson. Yeah. Yeah. It's 2005. So, you know, it's nine years after scream came out. So everyone should be in bloom and, you know, urgent urban legends happen. And there's a ton of people in this movie from urban legend, by the way. Yeah. And you know, you, you feel like there's just going to be a cadence and a comfortability with the cast. And that's just going to be, it's going to blow you away. So I think, well, let, let me give a quick synopsis for those sure. that haven't seen it, and then I'll I'll review some of my notes. But this is about a, a werewolf who's loose in Los Angeles, and he changes uh, the lives of three young adults who, after being mauled by a beast, um, they learn that they must kill it in order to avoid becoming werewolves themselves. So Christina Ricci's character, she works for Craig Kimball <laughs> in this movie, which is kind of funny. It is funny. And again, it's like, it's meta, you know, it's yeah, Wes yeah. Craven. It's not even necessary to do, but at this point you expect Wes Craven to do this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, cool. Uh, you know, it takes place in Los Angeles where movies are made and films are made. So uh, there's that little layer of things that that's happening. But so you've got this cast and you've got this. Uh, this setting and you've got this concept and you're like, you know what? This cannot be a fail. So it's not a fail in terms of scene and setting, I will say, because there's this house that they live in uh, the Jesse Eisenberg's character and Christina Ricci, you know, their brother, sister duo, they live in this house, you know, their parents aren't around and it's almost like the house from the faculty. And though it's in Los Angeles and this, urban area it feels like this very like suburban niche and the school that jesse eisenberg goes to too also feels like uh, you know middle america kind of high school sort of town and that's that's the aspect of this film that i like and that i enjoy uh it's got some teen wolfish kind of parts that happen like yeah. the showdown and the gym and and all that all that kind of stuff's cool and fun and whatnot so i, I certainly enjoy that and I also think that the it's worth mentioning that the uh, there's this really bad CGI that riddles this film. Like <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Like at, toward the end specifically, you you get eighty five percent of the film. You're like, okay, I don't want to see a transformation scene. Like let's just continue to not see this in full yeah and then they do a transformation scene and you're like oh my god we really should have gone without and the cgi is it's it's horrendous it honestly is and it kind of ruins the movie uh so if if it could have just not happened that way it would have been fantastic yeah. but so the story goes there's this west craven cut out there that exists that's on someone's macbook yeah the craven a, cut a dungeon in fucking hollywood somewhere and hopefully yeah. one day we get to see it but I feel like it's down there where uh, Gail Weathers and uh, 100%. the girl who plays Gail Weathers. Judy Jurgenstern. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 50 so, bucks? 
What, what are you, a reporter for Woodsboro High? <laughs> yeah. So I think this movie had a ton, ton of pot- potential, and I think a version of it exists of what we want it to be. And this movie constantly flirts with it being what you want it to be because it has moments of of gleaning like, hey, oh, I'm into this, I'm into this, and then then CGI happens or yeah. something stupid. But uh, I gotta, I have to mention it. It came out in 2005. You're graduated high school. This was right at the the pinnacle of like my relationship with horror, and um, you know, it was my my director at that time that like really reinvigorated the genre for me in Wes Craven. So I, I stood by it when it kind of came out, and I've drifted away from it largely as an adult just because again the CGI is so fucking bad. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's a fine movie. The producer's cut is better than the original cut, and we know the Craven cut, which one day we probably won't ever see is probably better than anything. So yeah, no doubt. Um, it's one of those movies that you feel comfort in, you know, because of the director, because of the actors, because of the writing, you feel comfortable in it, but, um, it's still, it's a little bit like you hit a spot where it's like made of wool and you're like, Oh God, get that off. (laughs) Oh, it's on my skin. Yeah. That's itchy. So that's my my number five, and it's at the back end of it simply because, again, I can't just, I cannot explain how bad the CGI is. Yeah, no, it's not good. All right, so we're going to go to my number five, which is from 2000. Uh, So we're in the 2000s again. This one is directed by John Fawcett, and it is Ginger Snaps. For two sisters. Together forever. United against life as we know it. With an appetite for the macabre. I'm slitting my throat. You should definitely hang. All it takes is one night. And one bite. Let's get out of here. Did I change last night? How would the moon? Ginger's changing. How do you feel? Wicked. Whoa. I I didn't realize this came out in 2000. Yeah. I thought it was earlier than that. I know. Um, You've seen this movie, right? Oh, dude. Yeah. So moody and so good. Yeah, so uh, the IMDb synopsis on this one is uh, two death-obsessed sisters uh, outcast in their suburban neighborhood must deal with the tragic consequences um, when one of them is bitten by a deadly werewolf. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like two girls. Like Actually, when I went into this one, I went into it blind, um, and I thought that it was about two girls. I had no idea it was a werewolf movie. I thought it was just about two girls who were kind of like crazy and going like a killing spree. Yeah. Based on what I'd seen, you know, like a slender man sort of thing. Yeah, sort of. Uh, exactly. So I was so blown away when I saw this and like taken aback by what it was, you know, uh, and it starts off with that exact vibe that I thought it was where it's like it starts off with just these two girls who are like doing these weird, like gruesome poses on the ground, like yeah. they're dead and murdered and uh, they, they just always make these gory scenes and then they like present it in high school, you know, Dude, that intro sequence with the family and the dog and... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, the oldest sister, she gets bitten by a werewolf one night. And from there, it becomes this, like, coming-of-age story where 
you know, is she going through puberty, which by the way, is incredibly late in life to be, cause she's like what, 16, 17, the yeah. older sister. Yep. Um, and the mom mentions how like their menstrual periods have been delayed several years for some reason. It's like an unexplained thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So her being bit by the werewolf also corresponds with, you know, the beginning of becoming a woman. So she's going through all of that, the emotions, the hormones, the men are now suddenly, all the boys in school are now suddenly super attracted to her. Yeah. You know, it's like this overnight switch happened. And, and then her uh, relationship with her sister starts to take a toll because there's that whole like, <laughs> oh, you, you know, we've been given the middle finger to the entire student body and now all the dudes want to, you know, be your boyfriend and... You're slowly becoming... Yeah. Yeah. What well, we always we've been hated. making fun of, yeah. Yeah, the whole like werewolf story is almost just an allegory for growing up and losing that relationship with your sister. You know, it's changing and... Yeah, no, it's it's uh it's a an emotional ride. I wouldn't say that it's actually fun, you know. It's but, not fun. Yeah, it's a good story because you're in a teenage setting. You have the. Uh, I will say that none of the characters are extremely despicable. You know, you have your unlikable characters, uh, but you you kind of have these like creepy dudes. But I mean, it's nothing too. <laughs> um, creepy. You, dudes. you don't have anything that's too egregious as far as like evil evil characters you know like uh you have the woman or the girl who's like always mean to the little sister that they have to kick the shit out of yeah and it's like she deserved it but you know she wasn't like an evil character you know what i mean yeah no, i get that yeah this, this is a good pick man i like this movie i love the again the, the coming of age concept yeah and which is a common theme i noticed in a lot of my movies anyways for sure, and mine too. Yeah, and I think this again. I I think I use the term moody. This this movie's really moody, and it's shot in a way that's almost kind of. It's not like the craft, but it has sort of elements of that. This like countercultural existence uh, that that's supplanted like in a system of a school environment, and and they're like, hey, how do we navigate through this, and how do we grow with it, and how do we how do we change with it, and I think that. It's really interesting. It's really well done. And it's really dark. I like it. Super dark. And I think one of the issues with this movie was because I, to be honest, I didn't hear about it until like later in life. Uh, pretty recently, like within the past five years, I've found out about this movie. Yeah. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with uh, Columbine. You know, this came out in 2000. Yeah. Um, it might have been delayed. It might have just been pushed back. Because imagine if this was supposed to come out in 99 and you have these like scenes of, yeah, you know, carnage. And it's war. hard to say, but yeah, no, I think this one perfectly fits that time frame. Same shit happened in Cherry Falls. This movie is exactly. better than Cherry Falls. I'm just you think say so? That. Yes. Hmm. Dude. Yeah. I don't know. This movie's better than Cherry Falls. I don't, Cherry I don't Falls know. I don't know fun. that I agree. Oh, okay. Well, let's arm wrestle about it. Now I'm going to have to, you know what? I'm going to have to do a double feature now. <laughs> Well, guys, let us know. All right, John, number four. All right, number four for me. This is a more recent one as well. More recent than the first two we talked about, actually. So I'm going to go to 2015 to a film called Howl. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your guard speaking. I'd like to welcome you aboard the 2359 service to Eastborough. Tickets, please. A 
seat. Take it, please. Thank you. Such a great night, you should have been there. This is the driver. Seems we uh, hit something on the line. We should be on our way shortly. We seem to have broken down just outside Eastborough. What does the driver say? Is the train broken down or not? He's working on it. The station can't be more than, what, two miles walk? We follow the tracks, we all stay together. I don't see there be a problem. What is it? Run! Back on the train, everyone! Go, go, go! It's coming! You love this one. I do. This is a good I haven't one. seen it yet. Wait, you've not seen no. it? No. Oh, what the hell? So, I will say this. I started it one night and fell asleep. Just never went back. Okay. So, this is directed by Paul Hyatt, starring Elliot Cohen, Rosie Day, Calvin Dean. And the general theme of this film, or synopsis, is it's about these passengers on a train. And they're attacked by a creature. And they must kind of band together. It's a kind of like the post-apocalyptic concept of all these different character types that have to kind of band together to survive. Okay. And they need to make it basically till morning. What's the train about? So it's like... Give me the premise. Yeah. So we we start the film and you're following the protagonist who's this like good-looking dude in his late 20s, kind of like lost on his life and career basically. Mm. And, And essentially he comes in to clock out for work. He's a train conductor attendant. This is in the, I think it takes place in the UK. And he is in the locker room, basically like finishing up for the night. And he has his rejection letter pretty much waiting in his locker saying like, hey, we appreciate you applying for the supervisor's role. You didn't get it, right? So he basically gets that that bad news notice. Yeah. Then he turns around and there's this fucking prick with a goatee (laughs) who's wearing a... (laughs) Uh, a shirt that basically says supervisor on it. And he's like, oh, cool, Jeremy, you got the promotion. Cool, fuck you, you know? And it's that whole thing. And the guy's like, uh, I'm going to need you to, I'm your supervisor now. I'm going to need you to do the red eye tonight. And he's like, the red eye tonight? Like, I just got off my shift. What are you fucking talking about? He's like, I need you to be a good boy and do the red eye shift. And he's like, I don't want to do that. Okay, but fine. He's got to go back to back shifts. Back-to-back shifts, mm. and as he's being requested to do this, uh, this girl, who also works as a conductor, she walks by, he catches her eye, and you can tell there's, like, some attraction there, right? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. he's like, oh, she's going to be on the train, I'm, I might as well do it. So the the premise is they're on this late-night shift, and he basically is like, the, the new supervisor says to him, like, hey, you're too nice, you haven't, had, you haven't written anyone up on the train, like, that's uh. lost revenue, get your pen out and start writing people up. Yeah. Give us some parking tickets. It's essentially that very mm-hmm. same concept, right? So you already kind of feel some vulnerability in the main character and you can tell there's like the growth potential there and he's already sad and he's got this like yearning for his colleague as well. So it's this emotional vulnerability before you even get started. And you take this really dark, like uh, the photography is very 
grim and dark and everything's pretty gritty and it's this nighttime on this train and he's you know he's just walking down the aisle checking everyone's tickets and uh he's getting mixed reactions you've got the the quiet nice older couple you've got the businesswoman you've got the teenage girl who's paying the ass you've got um the hard-working woman who lost her ticket that she he then has to charge full price and she fucking yells at him tells him to get a real job like all this stuff's going on right yeah yeah then he asks the girl out on a date uh, that also works with him. And she basically says, like, I have to work tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, like, you're you're in this experience, which is interesting because it's on a train. Right. And they remove. So I feel like even like movies like Train to Busan and all those other ones. When you're when you're stuck on physically stuck in a place like this, you have all these characters that that you know, they run the gamut of the rainbow, but everyone is in the same position of vulnerability and everyone's brought kind of to home base. And it's like, even if this dude's a a millionaire, he's on the same train with this like teenage pain in the ass girl who lives off her parents. Like, so everyone's sort of in the same position regardless of their status. Train to Busan vibe. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's definitely a factor in this movie too. Um, But this movie it doesn't show a lot like it shows shows enough, but from like a werewolf positioning, it was, it was pretty low budget. And I was reading that like the legs, they show a lot of werewolf legs Mm -hmm. (laughs) from like the waist down essentially. And those were all prosthetic and they were, they were done practically. Oh, and the uh, upper body parts that they do show later in the film were uh, CGI. Gotcha. But the budget was not a lot, and it was, I think it was a flop, too, in the box office. Yeah, this is streaming on something. Yeah, I think Amazon it's, or- it's a, a AMC Plus or something right <clears throat> oh, now. Gotcha. I found it through the Fire Stick. But this, this movie definitely, I know we were just talking about like characters and caring about characters. You definitely feel for the main character. You definitely feel for his love interest, too. And there are some people on the train that you have opinions toward that you either, you know, like or hate for whatever reason. So this, the emotional, again, the emotional vulnerability, you know, this, this movie does a good job of that. Um, Cause I feel like so many of these movies just make these like versions of characters that are just so ridiculous where it's like, I can't even relate to the idea of this kind of character. So fuck this, I'm out. Whereas here it's pretty realistic and you, and you care and don't care for people for certain reasons. Now I might've missed it. Are they like trapped on this bus? So or this train, yeah. There, there's storm. There are really bad storms that are happening. Okay, and trees are falling all over the train tracks and shit. Like everyone's yelling at them. Like, and the conductor is like the first person to get killed by a werewolf. Of course. Um. So Sandra Bullock jumps in and uh, drives the train. Speed two cruise control jumps you know? a bridge. <laughs> so basically, but yeah. So they're cool. that's why they're kind of stuck. But yeah, it's a good one. If you've not checked it out, Hal 2015. It's a good one. Nice. All right. Number well, four for you, we'll man. head to my number four. It's going to be uh, 1985's Silver Bullet. May. And every month after that, whenever the moon was full, it happened again. And again. Oh, 
was that? It's over there. Who pointed that at me? Nobody knew who or what was responsible. They only knew it had to be stopped. Now, from the master of mystery and suspense, Stephen King's Silver Bullet. So I'm a big fan of this movie, um, directed by Daniel Adius. It was supposed to be Don Coscarelli. Did you know that? I did not. <clears throat> I didn't either. Um, off of Phantas- Phantasm fame. And uh, there was a lot of like behind the scenes stuff going on. Uh, so he left the film and uh, Daniel Adius stepped in. Um, I guess a lot of it had to do with like the effects and the costume, like the actor had to wear the costume, you know, the fucking wolf costume. And they kind of did like a uh, weird perspective so that you didn't really have to see the, the full thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, they fixed it by the end. I think the effects are fucking great. Uh, this is based on the novella by Stephen King, which is cycle of the werewolf. Um, Corey Haim, Gary Busey, Everett McGill, Terry, Terry O'Quinn. I mean, just fucking star studded. Yeah, seriously. You got the duo from uh, Twin Peaks. In yeah. This. Yeah. So, um, a kid essentially has to figure out who the vampire is in this small town, Targer's Mills. Werewolf. Um, what did I say? Vampire. It's all right. Same deal. Yeah. All right. So yeah, there's a, there's a, it, what I love about it is this movie's essentially a slasher. It's a whodunit. Um, there's, you know, a werewolf running around just terrorizing this town. And uh, Corey Haim on his silver bullet wheelchair, which is uh, gas-powered thanks to his Uncle Red, who is Gary Busey, and yeah. uh, who's just kind of a do-it-all, you know, do-it-all uncle. And, uh, yeah, they figure out who this, who this maniac is. I love this. I love the whodunit aspect of this movie. I love the effects. Um, even like the, the creature in costume, you know, like when they do it from a distance, it's not bad. Yeah. No, I mean the, the bridge scene. Yeah. When he finally takes his silver bullet out for a spin. Even when I was rewatching it, that scene when he like leaves Brady at the park, his friend who's flying the kite yeah, yeah. and he's just like, Hey, you coming? And he's like, ah, in a bit. And then like he, Corey Hamill almost gives him a look like. I'm not going to see you again. You should come. Yeah. Oh, man. That movie. So I love the score, especially at the beginning, like when it's coming in. That score is fucking amazing. Uh, But it does these weird, like, little, like, beautiful music cues throughout. Yeah. Which I feel like is a little bit uneven. But it's one of those things. It's one of those charms of the movie that now I've grown to love. But it's one of those movies, one of those reasons why I couldn't fall in love with the movie at first. was just little things like that kind of just made it feel uneven for me. Yeah, it's almost like the music that would accompany like step by step. You know, it's this like, oh, like, yeah, or like too... fucking a love scene. Like, I don't know. It just yeah. felt uneven. That that does make sense. But this this movie is really fun, and it's it's not you know it's serious enough. But again, to it's a dramedy, I would say. Yeah, to your point, and 
Dude, Gary Busey's character is so ridiculous in this ridiculous. movie. Ridiculous. We so we talked about we've talked about him before on this, so I'm not gonna uh gonna go too far, horse. but yeah. Yeah. And um, I love I just love that little showdown at the end with Uncle Red and his sister. Like that's a great that's a great showdown. Um and you know, just Corey Haim in general. You yeah. know I love Corey Haim and like him with the wheelchair and like he plays just like a sweet kid, you know? Like yeah. His character is just like the best. Yeah. And um he's got so he already had like a gas powered gas powered wheelchair, but then Uncle Red gives him like this souped up, like all chromed out fucking West Coast Choppers version, and it is just so cool, man. Like, Could I remember being a being kid, a like, parent, oh, my God. The parent of the child and being like, just imagine yeah. me doing that for your kids and then being like, Uncle John, you did the fucking best. And I'm like, <laughs> right. hey, I know you're crippled already, but this thing goes like, 80 miles an hour, so if you, if you wanted to make <laughs> sure your arms didn't work next, like, Ride this fucking thing around. Thanks for the death trap, Uncle oh, John. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's like, definitely not safe. <laughs> if you're going to outrun a werewolf, you need a silver bullet. Definitely. Right? That's the theme here. Yeah. And he never wore a helmet. Come on, Unbelievably dude. dangerous. <laughs> Horribly dangerous. <laughs> no license plate on that thing? Come on. That is not street it's legal. It's going faster than every car <laughs> out there, too. It's, it's faster yeah. than a dirt bike. Oh my god! Yeah, so seriously. cool. But yeah, it's one of those things when, like, when I was a kid, like, when you wanted to wear glasses even though you didn't have to, it was like, no, I want to be in a wheelchair so that I can have that. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. So yeah, silver bullet. Where Where do you stand on this movie? I like this movie. So I don't like. It's not a top twenty of mine. Might be a top sixty five. Wait, are we talking werewolf movies? No, just like just movies overall. in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not it's not one of my all time favorites, but I really I, I like it, man. And Remind I, me after this to ask because I don't want to ask right now to spoil anything, but like, and I don't want to forget at the end. But I want to know, like, full moon. You like you look outside, you see a fucking full moon. You go to your Blu-ray shelf, and you have all of these we're about to talk about. What are you grabbing? Yeah, I, we'll I do have, that. At the I end. have an answer for all you right, at the end. Cool. So. I, I do really, really like this movie a whole lot. And I remember after I renovated my basement, I put in the new floor and everything. And like before I brought my furniture down, like I took a whole week off work to get the podcast space in order uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was during COVID. And the first movie I put on, like I moved just, there was just a chair in here. Legitimately, like I set the TV up and I moved just a chair in here. And I was like, polishing all my movies to put them on a shelf. That's what I was doing on that chair. Mm-hmm. The movie I put on was this one. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a relationship a great, with it. Great yeah. summer movie. It is. And it was dead summer. It was June uh, that I did that project. Because so. I believe this takes place like July 4th, right yep. around there, right? Yep, yep. yep. He's got the fireworks. Oh, dude. In the eye. Um, if it's not dangerous enough, driving 80 miles an hour in a fucking wheelchair, let's yeah. get some fireworks. That should... Be illegal in basically every state. Man, I really, I, I love this one. Like, Terry O'Quinn is the sheriff. So good. He's such a good actor. Yeah, so good. All right, man. I'm going to head to my number three here. Yeah. So, I'm going to go to a television show, actually. Whoa. Yeah. Break things up a little bit. I'm going to go X-Files? with... X-Files? No. Oh. 
I did have an X-Files episode, but I talk about that show too much. So I want to go to X-Files Light, which is Supernatural. Oh, God. Supernatural? Season 2, episode 17. The episode is called Heart. Ever since Dad. We've lost so much. So, super fucking natural. Kim Manners, he directed this episode, and he did a shitload of X-Files episodes. Okay, there we go. Nice tie-in. Yeah, there's your tie-in. So this show is starring Jared Padalecki, Jensen Ackles, and this specific episode has uh, a a woman named Emmanuel Vaguier in it as well. Well done. Yeah. And she does a great job in this this specific episode. So this is about essentially, if you're not watching the show, much like X Files, you have your Monster of the Week episodes that are these one off little side uh, side missions that they go on, and then you have your overarching story that kind of goes through fucking twenty seasons. So I really really love the Monster of the Week one offs, and this is one of them. Yeah, and it's about a werewolf in town and this a lot of the episodes have that like whodunit sort of concept but they only introduce three characters in the episode and you're like okay well it's one of these three right uh exactly what's the twist ending gonna be but this one does a pretty good job of it and essentially they're uh sam and dean are are working super hard to kind of and there's always like a really attractive man or like everyone in this show always looks like the most attractive person alive, right? Sure. They just, that's sort of their model. But the <laughs> Sam and Dean in the show, they're just like douchey womanizers in general. Uh, that's just like what they do and what they are. They drive a muscle car. Yeah, they drive yeah. a muscle car and they're like, no, we only eat fucking burgers. And <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's just, that's part yeah. of the shtick. They listen to like Led Zeppelin only, right? Oh, like, yeah. We're not going to listen to. I was picturing like, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. That's what I was expecting. We're about like four years earlier than that. 40? Dude, (laughs) honest to God, like, that that would have made this show a non-starter for me. I got you. Yeah. But so the the brothers, though, in this this episode, they're working diligently to to save this woman that they fear might be next in this, this, this slew of werewolf killings that are happening. So they're experts in all things supernatural, and in this episode, they they know all the signs of the werewolf, so they know that's what they're dealing with. So they're trying to save this woman uh, from this slew of killings, and they induct this uh, age-old concept, essentially, of flipping the script on its head, and the person that they're trying to protect ends up being, you know, the werewolf, and they introduce the concept of, hey, uh, can you can you be a monster and still be a good person, basically, right? Yeah. Because uh Dean comes to basically like fall in love with this woman over the course of like one episode, right? He like walks in and she's like, Oh, I'm just folding laundry, and she's like folding her underwear. Oh. Uh, yeah. And they they instantly like kind of fall in love and they have this connection sort of deal, and then 
at the end is that you know there's a spoiler alert on this <laughs> show that has 975 episodes uh <laughs> she's the werewolf and and that's revealed toward the end and and dean has to like he basically makes the decision that she's like yeah you got to kill me and he does it and he's like really been out of shape for a few episodes after this because it, it it hurt him sure so. yeah but I thought this was a fun episode simply because uh, I love the monster of the week kind of episodes. Yeah. And, and I, the, the elements of the show that I don't like are like the excessive douchiness, womanizing douchiness that I kind of referenced in this episode demonstrates some vulnerability in these characters and demonstrates some compassion uh, in these characters that are not always observed and not always part of the, you know, part of the gamut. So I thought it was a lot of fun that they, uh, they did that. Well, this is also one of those shows where, um, it's been running for like 20 years. So literally the times changed throughout, you know, like yeah. by season 10, they're like, what can we write in here to undo what we did in season <laughs> yeah. two? Yeah. Because that's not appropriate anymore. Yeah. Like, let's not have the girl f- folding her panties <laughs> From the laundry, yeah. Hon- but honestly, like hooded sweatshirts, it does change dramatically yeah. over the course yeah. of that, that multi-decade, and it, I think it is nineteen seasons or something. You know, so. it's kind of funny to see that unfold. You know, when you watch something nowadays, and you kind of watch the growth, and you can see, like, okay, this corresponds with the changing of times. Yeah, yeah, it shows again, and that's part of you know why I mentioned this because they demonstrate the vulnerability of the characters and the growth sure. and all that shit. So. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, it's it's a good one, man. One day I'll probably see it when I finally buck up and watch it. Yeah. All right, so my number three, um, this is getting down to the wire here because, like you said, it kind of falls off a cliff once you get to a certain point with these werewolf movies. Uh, So um, I'm actually going to go with number three is going to be the segment from... Uh, one of our favorite anthology movies, Trick or Treat. From 2007, the Michael Doherty fucking classic. I'll just say it. Yeah, it certainly is a classic. Uh, so this is the Anna Paquin, uh, the Anna Paquin segment uh, that kind of interweaves itself throughout. Uh, the first time we see her and her sister and her friends is at like a costume shop. Uh, they're trying on their costumes for the big party that night uh, the, or ceremony, as you could say. Um Dude, did you know that the little boy in there, you know when there's like a little boy like peeping in peeping through, and the mom's yeah, like, yeah. hey, there's a kid out here. Yeah. That's the same kid who plays Sam. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that Holy either. Holy shit. Uh, little boy named, what's his name? Quinn Lord. 
Oh, dude. Yeah. That's insane. So they liked him so much, I guess, that they were like, let's like actually put him in the movie, you know, instead of just him in a costume. Let's give him like some screen time. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so anyway, this all culminates. They invite some unsuspecting boys over who should know that these girls are way out of their league. Like the doofy fucking cameraman or whatever they are, like yeah. standing outside that van. You think they would know, like, something's up here. Like, These girls should not want to take us to a, yep. a party. Um, little do they know they're actually going to be food. Once we get to the party, it, again, I did not know this until I was doing research for this, dude. Do you know Mrs. Um, oh, fuck, what's her name? Mrs. Henderson, maybe? When they're, like, going door to door trying to get the pumpkins from different houses, mm-hmm. all the kids. And they go to that party and like she's she dressed, dressed like a, a cat, cat and there's yeah. a dude at the hot dog in the back, like yeah. butt fucking a pig, yeah. they say. So there's this like at the beginning of that scene when they show them like wherever all the werewolves are, mm-hmm. it shows a cat like eating a hot dog in the back. That's her. Like she was a goddamn werewolf. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've watched this movie probably dude, 65 times. I know. And I had no idea. Like I just missed it. That's unbelievable. Um but anyway, so there's this fucking killer transformation scene where you find out that Anna Paquin's been a vampire this, or goddamn, been a werewolf this entire time. Uh, we have the Marilyn Manson fucking track going, sweet dreams are made. Did you know that that was not supposed to be the song? And it's almost like a Friday the 13th part four thing here oh. where the song that they intended. Chris and that they, Yeah, exactly. And that they actually played on like on set when they were filming was um it's a song called Fever by Peggy Lee. Why didn't they end up with that? I one? don't oh oh so it got to editing and the editors were like, okay, this would be better if we put like an aggressive, a more aggressive like rock song. And Michael Doherty like was very like ah, I don't know like I already talked to Peggy. I really want yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Peggy is long gone. Yeah. This this is a fucking old timer song, but yeah, no, I thought that was really fucking interesting. Um, yeah, so that yeah. scene's really cool because it's like, uh, again, the coming of age concept surfaces again. Yeah, right. As as we found that it does, and you're you're going through the interpretation as a viewer that she's talking about losing her virginity, right? Exactly. Throughout this entire uh, sequence that they're involved in. And they're all dressed in these extremely skimpy uniform, like, yeah. costumes. And it's so like, oh, here we go. It, that's exactly what it seems like. And it's yeah. like, oh, standard uh, girls just, you know, college dressing, girls, yeah, being college girls, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And I love how they turn that on its head and they, they empower those characters. And they're like, no, they're the ones in charge. And, For sure. And they, there's this scene. It's, it's, it's very, like, dramatic and sexy. And they're legitimately uh, shedding their skin. It's, like, really, really... I, I don't, it's not like gnarly is the best way to, to, to describe it. Yeah. Not like a, Hey, that wave was gnarly, man. But like, it's actually gnarly. And how about the effects? I thought they were really yeah. well done. Yeah. I, I totally agree. They're legitimately pulling skin off like a fruit roll up. That's a great transformation scene. Yeah. Yeah. So I know it's not a, a werewolf movie per se, but I really couldn't pass it up because it's one of my favorite segments of one of our favorite Halloween films. Yeah. No, that's, that's one we got to talk about. And I actually forgot to mention Ginger Snaps. Another reason I love that movie is the, 
I don't know if you noticed, it takes place during the fall. And there's like Halloween decorations around there towards the end. So I always, I will always love that vibe as I feel like most of you listening will as well. One million percent, man. Yeah, it's a great pick. I uh, I considered this as well, but wanted to go with more traditional. Yeah. Traditional uh, werewolf movies. Yeah, so, more sorry. supernatural yeah. horror movies, you know. Super traditional. So my next episode of Supernatural is... (laughs) (laughs) All right, my next movie. I'm going with a full length that came out last year, actually. And this is a film called Werewolves Within. Yes. Should affect our snowshoes. What? People do that? You know, fun fact, not only is it the oldest, but remains one of the most effective means of traversing the ice. Wow. Yeah, you're going to fit right in at Beaverfield. Everything here is a little... Questionable. Ranger! The people. The weather. Everything. Oh. Ranger? One of us had to have this on the list. Oh, so good. So, um... Josh Rubin directed this, starring Sam Richardson and uh, Milana Vaintrub, I believe is her last name. The the woman that does the AT&T yeah, commercials. I know her as that. Yeah. She's so good in this. So good. She really is. She's essentially her character. Yeah. <laughs> her truly. AT&T, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, Just sweet, charming, a little bit gullible, a little bit like aloof. And witty and Very witty. funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this, so this film is about a proposed gas, like a gas line. It's created this like huge division within this small town. And I think it's called Beaverfield. It gives you the strong like Trump vibes. Dude, it does. Yeah. Does it have like signs in their yard? Like it definitely, yeah. there are definitely uh, <laughs> elements of the whole like political landscape that we all experienced in 2020. Yeah. And the neighbors divided. So for like, sure. And there it's this town of like 40 people. And <laughs> yeah, everybody <laughs> knows everybody. Yeah. It's really exacerbated. It's it's a, it's a lot of fun. But this snowstorm sweeps through and traps uh all the residents basically together inside this like local inn. And we've got this brand new ranger who comes into town who similarly is very he's a very very vulnerable character <laughs> and he's going through transition in his own life. Uh, not not werewolf transition, but you know this is a whodunit. So you were looking at him, and you're like, well, if anyone's transitioning, it's this fucking guy, yeah. right? And he's new job, inc- lost his girlfriend, just incredibly, incredibly vulnerable, incredibly neurotic, and incredibly sweet. Like he's a sweet, he is a sweet down earth guy. Yeah. yeah. And so it's this ranger and this postal worker who's the who's Milana's character, and they must uh, keep the peace. Uh, and kind of uncover the truth of what's going on as these killings are happening in town, right? If you haven't seen this, we did you a favor by telling you it's the AT&T girl because I spent like <clears throat> 25 oh. minutes going like, is it? Because it's got to be. Because Jamie texted me like, hey, Must be. put on werewolves within. It's perfect. It's snowing. Like, yeah. Check it out. And I watched it and I texted you. I was like, is this the AT&T girl? And you're like, fuck, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she does an amazing job. Oh, so good. But this this film is so funny. And it's it it really really captures the atmosphere of like the small town, the small like ski lodge sort of town, um, 
as many of these these kinds of films do. And the environment is everything in this movie. It's it's almost like uh, the town in Thirty Days of Night, but not everyone. It's not dark and very not less, everyone gets yeah. slaughtered. It's yeah. it's very very comical and fun and funny. It's much lighter. But uh, the snow, the characters, the setting, the story, uh, this this movie really does have it all. And I I think it's um, it's cool that there's a twist ending, and I think it's cool that there's a love story that happens yes. along the way. And all, all these characters have an arc, you know, our, our main protagonist, like he, it's almost as if this, uh, this endeavor is like a mission for him that he, he needs to accomplish to get over the shit that he has going on in his life. And he's yeah. like, if I can survive this and get through this, uh, you know, I'll, I'll come out on the other side. Okay. And it's almost like this is like a test for him and it's, it's a, a challenge for him. So yeah, because it's sort of a punishment, right? Because he got in trouble at his previous yeah, it's post. it's almost like a demotion. Yeah. Kind of like a, oh, okay, you got to go fucking do this. Now you got to go deal with these yeah. gas line fuckers. Yeah. But uh, the it, it certainly has like Shaun of the Dead kind of vibes to it. You know, like it takes a, it, it, it honors certain tropes associated with this kind of genre film. And it does them well. But then it also, you know, it's super funny along the way as it honors them. And it, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say when, you, when the big reveal happens at the end, when you kind of find out who the werewolf is, uh, there's a great transformation scene. So I know yeah. transformation scenes are critical to this discussion. So there's, there's a super good one in this, in this film. Yeah. But, uh, I, I don't have enough positive things to say about this movie. I think it's my favorite movie I've watched this year that I've not seen before. Yeah, no, I loved it, man. And the thing is, is I always worry with these comedy uh, versions of movies like this. You know, you just never know if it's going to be too far on one end and not not far enough on the other. But I thought this one was perfectly in the middle. Really funny. Great characters. uh, Like you said, great twist. And the, like rec room, like fucking nineties thing they go into like arcade type bar thing yeah, with like the dude. arcade games and the jukebox and only had 90s hits on it like fucking goddamn get so me good. in there so good they're drinking like i don't even know what the fuck they're drinking in there um it wasn't shit. booze it was some sort of it was the what's the tea like the mushroom tea yeah that's what it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. chambuca cam- kombucha kombucha yeah yeah it's really i don't know if you've had that it tastes like vinegar but no yeah. i fucking hate it <laughs> yeah it's not my stuff. thing. It's carbonated. Ugh. And it feels like it wouldn't be. And he's, he's like shaking it and it explodes every yeah. like first time with uh, kombucha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my my number two, Dude, man. Good one. Love good that movie. one. All right. So my number two, what I want you to do is uh, find a buddy who's got a van. Get up on top. Have him blast some uh, 50s music and do a little surfing. Little fucking car surfing. Um, all right, we're gonna go Teen Wolf, nineteen eighty-five. For Michael J. Fox, life hasn't been easy. Hello. Hi. I'm going through changes. His voice is changing. Give me a keg of beer. Is there anything wrong with me? He's got hair on his chest. He stopped being a boy. What do you think about to get worked up? At last, he's become... Scott? 
working now. Open this door right this minute. A wolf. An explanation is probably long overdue. Dad, an explanation? Look at me. So this is directed by Rod Daniel, starring Michael J. Fox. And this one just has an incredible cast of characters. Uh, This is just another coming-of-age story. It's a high school student, goes through some hair-raising changes, and discovers he and his family are werewolves. Um, Yeah, so it's like another almost puberty story, right? Um, Oh, definitely. Look in the mirror, discover you're growing fucking the nastiest, gnarliest goatee that you can imagine. Why do I have this fish layer? Dude, like, you know, boof. Love Booth, fucking Styles. Uh, Styles is so good. He's the friend who's essentially like, all right, let's make money on this. Let's sell T-shirts. Let's get decals. Let's get stickers on the van. Booth. Um, Booth is the neighbor girl that's in love with Michael J. Fox, who's also in love with the Playboy Bunny, uh, whatever her name was. I don't know, but apparently she was an actual playmate like at the time. <laughs> And uh, so this movie came out when Michael J. Fox was a, it's funny because the transition, he was like, when this movie was in production is when his fame from Family Ties really hit yeah. because it went from like a shitty time slot on Tuesday night to like a prime time slot on Thursday night while this production was happening. And like, they had to like delay some shoots because the, like these girls would be overwhelming the the set. And uh, it just kind of happened overnight, one of those things, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. And um, he he obviously undergoes this huge transformation. Uh, he's really shitty at basketball, <laughs> becomes, like, really good at basketball. He had to, like, take, like, he did, he did like, basketball training. Uh, like, two weeks of, things. like, training yeah. <laughs> to, like, learn how to play basketball. And I guess, like, a common uh, thing amongst the set was everybody was, like, Boy, Michael J. Fox is not athletic. Uh, I guess uh, Rod Daniel, who directed it, said he's got like somewhere in a vault, uh, similar to what we were talking about. He said somewhere in a vault is like an hour's worth of footage of just the worst uh, athleticism you've ever seen. The Craven Cut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, this movie just reminds me of my childhood and growing up and watching this uh, with my brothers or otherwise. And it just became something that throughout my entire life I'll watch, you know, every year. And um, yeah, it is, you know, again, coming of age, learning how to deal with growing up and uh, being this weird person and how to contain it, you know? Yeah, this certainly is a film that makes you feel like you understand and are content with the idea of change and transformation it's one of those installments that i think are critical to to growing up and i think it serves well not only as like a comedic thing of hey this is fun and 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 enjoyable and a representation of the 80s but also it's one of those things that you watch and you're like you know what i'm comfortable now with the idea that like i'm changing and i'm i'm growing up and i'm evolving and i'm going through these things and and you know michael j fox you're literally doing it in a very, very amplified and comedic way. I, as the viewer, as a kid watching this thing, I'm like, you know what? I'm going through the same kind of shit right now. Like, I don't know why I've got this patchy beard. I don't understand why I'm not good at basketball, but if I work hard, maybe I'm a little bit better at it. So it makes this, these concepts of like just everyday 
layman kind of things more attainable and understandable, uh, even though they just do it in a really like dramatized sort of way. I, I think it's, it's a lot of fun and a great pick, man. Yeah. And I love the big school dance at the end. Oh, gotta have right, a dance. He has the showdown with her boyfriend. Um, and then he, you know, pretty much learns that he loves Boof. But yeah, I don't know. I love this movie. Um, Boof. He, I guess he even said that like he was not proud of that movie. Really? Yeah. That's why he didn't want to do part two. Why? Why? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it just didn't do well enough. I'm not sure. I think he just felt silly being, you know, dressed in a werewolf costume. and Yeah. Uh, so I guess the basketball scenes, when he's the wolf and dunking and shit, he couldn't do that. So they had an actual basketball player that like well, had to go through there. Maybe that's why they were like, uh, he was like, fuck, this, yeah, fuck these yeah. guys. So they had an actual basketball player. I can't remember his name, but... Um, he would come in and get the makeup done for 12 hours, just like Michael J. Fox. They could only drink like milkshakes and soup while they were getting these uh, costumes on. And that's insane. The makeup done. Yeah. So he had to go through all that same shit as, you know, MJ. So, yeah. Well, I feel like we couldn't do this list without talking about this movie. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you did. Yeah. I mean, how can you? Yeah. Oh, one last thing I wanted to say is this really also is a, it's a really nice father and son story. You know, yeah. uh, the mother's gone. It's just this son and his dad kind of learning how to grow with each other and grow into this idea that like, I have to be this like half monster, half, yeah. you know, boy. And also yeah. it's like, you know, you held, you withheld this for me. Yeah. This is where I get the real like turning red vibes, the new Pixar movie. Yeah. I'll hug you. Yeah. So. All right, let's go. Number one, let's do it. All right. The phase, the moon phase is now full, so it's time for our last film. So we got to go with some classics here. So my classic is the 1981 staple, An American Werewolf in London. Yes. Did you hear that? What was it? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. What happened to them? Well, the police report said they were attacked by an escaped lunatic. Must have been a very powerful man. Jack and I were not attacked by a man. It's an animal. A wolf. Did he say a wolf? Yes, I believe he did. Did you get a good look at the man who attacked you? So this is directed by John Landis. By the way, the tagline for this film, I think, was um, something like, uh, from the director of Animal House, there's a new animal in the house or something. Whoa, like, yeah, that's yeah, really good. Yeah, I know, which I thought was hilarious. But David Naughton's in this, um, Jenny Agater and uh, Joe Belcher, and this is about two American college students on a walking tour. They're in, they're in uh, the UK, they're in Britain, and they're attacked by a werewolf. and um, Basically, none of the locals admit that this werewolf exists. So I, I cannot explain how much this makes me... Like, if Jamie and I tomorrow were to go backpacking in Europe, like, this is us. Other than the fact that when they get to that bar, they're drinking tea. Because oh, yeah, no. we would be... You and I would have already stopped at three bars, and we would not be drinking tea. Yes. However, when I watch this, I, I'm just... I'm so... I tap into the concept of, like, 
just being with a person that you um, want to vacation with, like from a friend, not, not your wife and your family, but like, yeah, yeah, your I closest know his buddy. And it's like, we're just going to go walk the moors and, and check things out and busting each other's balls. Like, oh, you wanted to be in Rome right now. And it's not raining in Rome. And, and here we are in Richmond, Virginia, drinking beer at the <laughs> best breweries in uh, the U.S. Exactly. But I love, I love that whole, the establishment of this film and how it, it really jumps right into that. And you've got these two characters that they look kind of alike and they've got very similar demeanor and um, they've got this whole tongue in cheek thing going on and they're trying to find girls. And it's just like this college collegiate, like uh, exploration thing that so many people did in the eighties that um, we didn't do because school's way more expensive now than it was for people in the eighties. Yes. Yeah, we graduate to debt, whereas they were like, cool, let's go to Europe. We can do that. But uh, yeah, this movie gets right into it. And they these are two protagonists, um, which quickly whittle down to one. They find themselves at this this bar called the Slaughtered Lamb. So Love they, the Slaughtered Lamb. Yeah. And they walk in and instantly, you know, something's wrong. It's like the pin drops. Um, or in this case, the dart hits the the bullseye, the music stops and everyone's like, Hey, who are these locals? They're dressed in these vibrant colors where everyone else is like, they look like they're dressed in mud suits. You know, they've got this yeah. like monochromatic, like earth tone and, and these two like unearthly aliens walk in and they're like, who are, the, who are these fuckers? Right. For sure. And no, we don't have what you want to drink. No, we don't have what you want to eat. Get out, you know, stick to the road, avoid the moors. Uh, and they accidentally find themselves themselves off the off the path and there's an attack and one dies and one survives and uh the townsfolk rally i guess they feel some guilt and they end up shooting the wolf who then evolves into a man and dies next to our our main character uh david Dunn. so david is going through this struggle uh physically being in a foreign place, right? So he's not home. He's not in the U.S. He's in the U.K. Um, so not only is he physically in a foreign place, but um, physiologically he's becoming a foreign entity uh, throughout his his transformation. And um, he's got a love interest with his with the, with the nurse who's, who's super, super cute, super helpful, super, you know, everything. And she cares about him and they, they end up together and he, he's going through his own shit though. And he's seeing, you know, ghosts of other, other characters. And then the most prolific uh, transformation scene, I think in cinema history, whenever you think of a a werewolf transformation uh, happens in this film and they show every joint, they show every bend of the body, they show every everything and he's in the he's in the uh the living room of his girlfriend's uh flat in in the uk and he transforms into a werewolf and and they show every gritty detail and it's 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 amazing honestly like the most one of the most uh important scenes in cinema i think the way they do that yeah it was really good uh that was rick baker i think did the effects on this one yeah right? yes it's amazing. And then there's the whole, you know, the 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 story comes full circle too because the uh the 
the girlfriend, she, you know, she has to kind of come to terms to and play a part. And she do goes through her own transformation to kind of respond to the situation as it evolves. And there's, it's very dramatic and it's sad and it's, it's really impactful. And this movie's, you know, it's a full package, you know, it's yeah. really well done. So I listened to an interview, uh, again on the Mick Ayers podcast, it was John Landis and Joe Dante, uh, and they both were talking about their perspective or their, you know, their movies um, that both came out in 81. And John Landis was saying how nobody wanted to make this movie. Uh, it was either too scary and not funny enough or too funny and not scary enough for everybody. Yeah. You know, uh, they couldn't decide on like where it landed. So I think it was a perfect mix of both yeah, because it's definitely funny, uh, but it's not werewolves within funny. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, this is uh this is one of the be- better horror films out there and I I'd, I'd say probably the best uh werewolf horror film. At least it's the gold standard with the exception of maybe it's your, your number, number one. one. Yeah. yeah. You want to So I think going into this, we both decided like there's two number ones here. <laughs> yeah. Uh one of us is going to take one and one will take the other. So I have the other 1981 best uh werewolf movie in our opinion and it is the howling a mysterious stranger died in an attempted assault of kdhb anchor woman karen white there's this blood on me and i can't imagine who it might have come from i'm gonna recommend that you go out to the colony for a week or two I was here this morning god look at the door Bill just got bitten by a wolf. We have uh, is bitten by a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. And this one is by Joe Dante, who is one of our favorite directors. Oh, and dude. just fucking, he really adds his own touch to it. Um, this is probably my favorite transformation scene. I think I prefer this one. Um, dude, this one... This one's lo- like very long. Very long. This is like, do you want to see the hairs come out? Um, and they do a lot of the bladder effect under latex on this one, um, which if you've seen the Beast Within, that it's kind of like, okay, nobody can ever use bladder effect under latex again because we just killed it now. Like it's just like we did it too much. No, but like, this movie did it perfect. The transformation in this one though is so amazing because there's also not only the vulnerability that you feel. It's like giving birth, but well, having there watching it, having yeah. someone in the room while you're doing it, yeah. looking at the entire like. Imagine that. But it's also like I want you to watch me give birth. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So there's that. Yeah, there, um, there was certainly a, a function of proving the point here. But all right, so this movie. Yeah, dive into this movie. Yeah, so. The IMDb synopsis is after a bizarre and near deadly encounter with a serial killer, a television newswoman is sent to a remote mountain resort whose residents may not be what they seem. Uh, so yeah, no, this movie starts off just as you know, I love the fucking seedy city, uh, like scape. So we have the fucking, we have downtown LA in 1981. Let's say this takes place in 1980 fucking like, you can't really picture shit too much shadier than this. Maybe Times Square in 1980. Yeah. Uh, fucking sex shops everywhere, you know? It's so crazy to think about these cities. This is your, only your element, man. F- only 40 years ago, 
being these like cesspools of fucking like drugs and sex. And now they're like <laughs> tourist kingdoms, yeah. you know, fucking, um, you can go to an M&M store that's just dedicated to M&Ms now. Uh, at the time, that was probably like where people were sitting in peep shows. Yeah. Uh, so this starts off with Dee Wallace. Uh, she's only a year removed from E.T. at this point, And she's on this like undercover mission as a reporter to find this serial killer, which she does. Uh, she becomes very traumatized by the whole experience. So she... Her psychiatrist recommends she goes to this place called the Colony, which is like this beautiful uh, forest, like Thanks, commune. Doc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the time, it was. Uh, it's hard to watch this movie now, um, and get the satire that was at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a very satirical film, but I don't really pick up on it at this point in my life uh, because I wasn't an adult at the time. I guess so. Yeah. I didn't pick up on a lot of the things like. You know, the Jonestown massacres are really big at the time. So this is very, uh, you know, cultish, I guess, at the colony, they call it. So they go out there where the uh, it's very funny, scary, sexy. Uh, you have the, the theme of trauma kind of throughout. But you have the husband who's also trying to deal with his wife dealing with this trauma. Uh, and then she starts hearing things, hearing howling, you know, at night at this fucking place. And all these things start unraveling like, okay, there's definitely a werewolf out here. Who is it? And how many of them are there? And then your husband's sneaking out at night. Banging a wolf woman. Ugh. Yeah. With that mustache of his. Oh, God. Almost as good as the mustache in, um, what's my movie, the John Carpenter film? Prince of Darkness. Almost oh, yeah. that good, yeah, yeah. but not quite. Yeah. I mean, this movie's unbelievably good. And it's interesting to see uh, Joe Dante's propensity to add certain character types because I feel like he adds similar characters to all of his films. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like when they get to the commune, you have your like fun loving characters that almost kind of disarm you and they For disarm sure. the they disarm the characters in the scene and you're like looking at this story through their position and you're like, what the fuck is this commune thing? And then you get there and you're like, Oh, this guy's cool. Like it's probably okay. This yes. will be all right. And it's, it's so funny to see how uh, Joe Dante like really kind of utilizes a lot of the same devices throughout his films. And he certainly does that here, but man, it, it gets ugly. Um, it does. And, this this movie's really masterfully done, and the end is so it, it's like a pinnacle, you know. It's this like boiling water almost. Yeah. And uh, you've got the friends that are coming in too. Oh man, I love this. There's so many. This, there's so many layers to this movie. Yeah, there really are. Yeah. I love Kevin McCarthy of Invasion of yeah, the Body dude. Snatchers fame. He's he is great in so this. Good, so good. He's so good in this. <laughs> I love I love at the end the newscasters that are in there with her. Yeah, when she yeah, does the yeah, yeah. yeah. Like especially that guy like right to her immediate right that guy's like oh oh my god oh shit I better get out so we won't we won't spoil too much about kind of how it how it shakes out but if if you've not seen the howling obviously you're fucking like classic four decades behind werewolf so. cinema yeah get, get in there uh you will not be disappointed so john what's your is your favorite american werewolf in london of the two uh, I, I think 
of these two movies, I like The Howling more. Um, yeah. I like Joe Dante more as a director. Yeah. Uh, I like D like the characters that act in, in the Howling. I like more for sure. Um, the dude in that fucking bookstore in the Howling, who's also the um, the the trash guy from uh, the Burbs. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like if you ask me today, like okay, you can make the money you make in corporate America doing any job on earth. What would you do? <laughs> I would stand on one of those ladders and slide from end to end, just telling people how to get rid of. Uh, monsters. Yeah, yeah, that'd be what I would pick. The crampathy. Yeah, I got that <laughs> over here. But I think because of those factors, yeah, I got to go with the howling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which transformation scene do you think's best? So the howling is my favorite. I think of all these movies we talked about, but my favorite transformation scene is the one from American World. Okay, yeah, because I feel like those are really the two best. Yeah. Uh, so it's like just pick your poison. But so your favorite film is Howling, and your favorite transformation scene is also Howling. Yeah, and that's not diminishing American Werewolf in London because that would be my number two for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, what about of these films? Like, which one surprised you the most? Would you say? Oh, I it would be that Werewolves Within. Dude, totally caught me off guard. Or Ginger Snaps. Those are the two that like I would I was not expecting what I saw. You know what I mean? Um. Ginger Snaps was actually more surprising because I had no idea what it was. This was like, I don't know. Werewolves Within kind of made me nervous because it kind of gave me the same vibe as Slice. Do you remember that movie that came out? Yeah, yep. And that movie was fucking terrible. Yeah. So I was like, this could really go, you know, one of two ways here. one of two ways. Yeah, Uh, yeah, no, so pleasantly surprised. And the AT&T girl was just so good and... You know, she really added an element of like lightheartedness and fun to it because his character could have been easily over the top and kind of borderline annoying. Oh, for sure. Which he wasn't. I feel like her character counterbalanced that, uh, which was great. Yeah, it was incredibly well done. Yeah, I'd say that was my biggest uh, surprise in terms of movies I watched that I just ended up liking. I didn't realize I would. Yeah, and that was a 2021 movie, right? Yeah, if dude. we had seen that, that would have been on my top list of the year. I know. But I That would have been my it. number yeah. one. Yeah. For sure. Well, dude, I'm so glad we did this. I know we've been talking, uh, prepping for a werewolf episode for a while, so I'm glad we got to it. We hope you guys like this. Let us know if we missed any films uh, that you feel should have been on this I list know that we were did. not. I also watched a movie called Where, W-E-R, that yeah. had a super low budget, which was, I think, UK-based. And I rented it, and I, I, I really enjoyed it, but I, could, I just couldn't pick it simply because it reminded me from a filming style too much of the Poughkeepsie tapes, which uh. is basically my least favorite movie of all time. And it, the movie didn't remind me of it, just a filming style. And the, like I said, the budget was really, really low, but what they did with it, what they had for budget was fucking incredible. So it's definitely worth checking out. It's called Where, W-E-R. Yeah. I think it came out like 2015 maybe. Uh, so, yeah, I would check out Where. I will. And the only other one I really wanted to mention, and it would have been on my list, but I hadn't seen it recent enough and I didn't have time to squeeze it in. It's Wolfen, also from 1981, oh, yeah. uh, which is so, it's like a different take on it, but really fucking like if you like 80s horror, you'll love it. Uh, it's a New York cop investigates a series of brutal deaths that resemble animal attacks. So you can only imagine what that could be. You can only imagine. 
Well, our next couple episodes are going to be guest episodes, actually, I think. So we've got a couple really awesome guests queued up. Uh, we know you guys are going to love. So yes. It's been a while you. since we've done an interview. So, yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. Appreciate you guys hanging with us. We hope you like this. Let us know what we missed. And we will see you on the other side of the moon. Oh, God. Bye, guys. Uh, love you.